Hello, welcome to the Chief Wellbeing Officer podcast. I'm Stephen McGregor. This is episode 40, We All Have Mental Health, with Kian Health's Vlad Giorgio. So welcome back. This is the third and final episode in the theme of starting up, looking at all things entrepreneurship and health and well-being. And we have a very powerful conversation here. I'm excited to share this with Vlad and more in that in a few moments. What's coming up for us? Um, I'm excited also that we have confirmed the third. Uh, I know that I owed an episode in the Q1 theme of thriving business. We've confirmed that interview for next week. So that will be broadcast also before the end of June. And that is with ServiceNow. And that's, um, yeah, really excited with that. Lots of really interesting questions that will build in the conversations that we had with Klaus and Ronnie in those episodes looking with Arla Foods and L'Oreal in that theme of thriving business. Um, Also coming up, hopefully, you know, as we get into the summer, it's interesting, you know, today is Wednesday the 9th of June and we're moving, we're in a sweet spot, right, because we are not complaining that the sun isn't here, Uh, the weather in Barcelona has been kind of strange the last few months. We are not yet complaining, although I see it coming, that it's too hot. So we're in that sweet spot right now, right? We're never happy, but temporarily so. I don't know, just being from Scotland, I'm always interested in the weather and how people respond to that. Um, you know, as we get into the summer, I'm very conscious about trying to get towards some writing. Uh, again, I'm warming up the writing muscle. Let's say I just published an article called The Age of Wellbeing on IE Insights uh, in collaboration. We're wearing my hat of IE Business School and uh, and that's getting some nice interest. It was really enjoyable writing that and and some of this content may eventually get into the, the book that I'm planning to write over the summer uh, and still you know thinking on the best approach for that but hopefully for the autumn something will be out there. I also thought it would be nice to uh, as we move out of lockdown and we bring more colour and variety back into our lives, uh, we're launching a special edition of the Sustaining Executive Performance book. That will be a premium colour hardback edition, and that will be available before the end of the month. Um, what I want to focus on here is actually looking ahead and looking more into the future. If, if you're connected with me on LinkedIn, you may have seen this last month. I put a teaser out there about two imminent changes that I thought represented the biggest change for me in my own career since 2003, when I actually packed my suitcases, came to Spain, uh, a very first noisy night in Bilbao, uh, and then did my postdoc uh, in the Basque Country before then coming to Barcelona 2004. I announced one of those changes, so uh, if you are connected with me on LinkedIn, you'll see that I have an affiliation with a well-known management consultancy as an external advisor, um, and that is my first non-school university affiliation since 2003 when I did that postdoc, so I just felt that that was kind of symbolic. The other one I haven't mentioned until now, it's still not confirmed, but giving a little bit more detail is linked to this theme of starting up, which is why I wanted to talk to these, um, you know, these interesting people, get their perspectives on entrepreneurship and health and well-being because I have joined a startup myself. It's a tech startup. Um, We are currently in the seed round. Uh, It's all terribly exciting. Uh, We're not there yet in terms of let's go, you know, um, a thousand miles per hour. And then obviously I need to think about my own health and well-being in that entrepreneurial journey. Um, 
but I'm optimistic. Uh, we're doing some really interesting work just now. So it's in the health and wellbeing space. It's a tech startup. We're in seed funding round, and I hope, hope over the summer we'll get over the, the line there and get out of the starting gate. Um, and the role that I have, of course, I will be the chief wellbeing officer within this company. So I'm really excited about this. We're still working on a daily basis and, and hopefully we can share more information on that in due course. So that was the second one. So with my conversation with Vlad, as I said, very powerful conversation. And I think for three main areas, right? Because first of all, he talks about his own personal experience uh, of burnout. And I think, you know, uh, it's very brave of him to be so open about that uh, and, and show that vulnerability. And I think in his own journey, in his startup, looking at mental health, this is going to be so valuable as he goes forward. He has that deep understanding. He can empathize on a really deep level with anyone who is going through a similar experience and, of course, design for his customers, right? So I think that's one thing that forms part of this very powerful conversation. We have the, the business model of key and health in itself, which I think is fascinating. Uh, and I think the world needs, you know, I, I really, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how Vlad and his co-CEO and co-founder Constantine do over the coming months and years. I really think they'll do something special and we need them to do something special. The world needs these guys, right? Um, we need, uh, you know, as with the title of this episode, we all have mental health. You know, the way that we viewed mental health over the years has been, if you mention it, there's something wrong. But of course, the definition of health is more than just the absence of disease, right? And and in a same way as we look proactively and positively at physical health, then we should do the same with mental health. And we, Vlad and Constantine and others are changing the perspective that we have on this. So I think the, the development that's ahead for key and health uh, is, is fascinating and, and, and we need we need them to succeed. Thirdly, I think, and what we touch on in this conversation is just how we work, right? And, and I was thinking about this recently, you know, a big influence for me over the years and, and, and thinking about this article that I wrote with IE, and you know, a big influence um, going back, you know, 15 years or almost 20 years that I've been involved in this field is the corporate athlete methodology from Jim Law and Tony Schwartz. And I remember Tony Schwartz also wrote a follow-up book a few years later called The Way We Are Working Isn't Working. And I thought that was such a great title. And I think it's more uh, appropriate than ever for the world that we find ourselves in today. Uh, and a lot of what we've talked about in this podcast over the last couple of years, and certainly in, in the past few themes, we've touched this again and again, the pandemic has changed the way that we work. And we found that the way that we are now working, in which we are more conscious and taking care of health and well-being, we'll find that it's a more enjoyable experience for the employee, for the professional. And by extension, we work better. So we generate more value for the company. I mean, right there is the business case for having health and well-being much more front and centre within an organisation. And of course, the tagline for this podcast, this whole platform that we run from Barcelona about elevating well-being as a strategic concern. So with Vlad, we talk about, you know, how you manage energy in a day, how you best work. Uh, and all of these things, right, you safeguard your mental health. 
and you also do better work. And I think that is as a takeaway for us all, if you're involved in entrepreneurship, if you're starting up or if you're in a big corporate or whatever you're doing, then I think that's a really key message that we have in this interview. So thanks again for listening. Um, I hope you enjoy this interview. I really enjoyed talking to Vlad. Uh, and this is episode 40. We all have mental health with Kian Health's Vlad Giorgio. Enjoy this as ever. Keep well, keep safe, and I'll see you soon. Bye for now. Ciao. Hi, Vlad. A warm welcome to the Chief Wellbeing Officer podcast. Thank you, Stephen. It's good to be here. So it's a Friday today, which is wonderful. Um, and you're in an, you're leading a, an early stage startup. So what's your week been like? I'm interested. Thank you so much for your question. Um, so it's been sunny and very productive. Um, so since we began this journey with, with Key and Health, we've set ourselves a remote first company. Um, so the entire team is actually working fully remote, uh, which means I get to share my time between Geneva and Switzerland and Athens. And luckily this week, uh, I've been in Athens. Uh, so that's where the sunny and productive, as I think a lot of entrepreneurs are, uh, could attest at the very beginning. There's just so many things that are happening at, at the same time. And this was one of the weeks where a lot of it came together. Um, but I think you, you share with me the sunny part, uh, at least. Yeah. Um, so I think you're also doing this call from Barcelona. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, it's actually cloudy today, but I don't mind. It kind of reminds me of home. Um, but no, that's great to hear. I mean, you, you send, you know, you can sense in, in those comments, I guess, the positive emotions that you're experiencing right now um, and, and the satisfaction also from, from having had a productive week. So that's great to know. In the last episode with Yazad, we looked at the problems that, that some entrepreneurs are, are trying to solve and, and the mission that they're on, let's say. So what are you trying to solve with Key and Health? Um, so three in five people are experiencing a, a mental or emotional distress uh, at work or in their private lives at any given moment. Um, and I think in 2020, we've seen an even a higher level than that. Um, so the problem is that most people don't talk about it or, or even worse, are not even aware of it and they just feel trapped. Um, so obviously the consequences on the quality of life of individuals are, are really severe. Um, and the sum of this individual distress also at the organizational level um, and impacts um, corporates, impacts different organizations and really communities at large. Um, we can see this in increased days of absence, uh, in increased churn and, and employee turnover, uh, but presentism. A lot of people really showing up to work um, and trying to be productive, but really not being able to do so. Um, so what we're doing with, with Key and Health is we're building and implementing tools and, and resources for large organizations that empower the individuals and help them build better habits and, and build resilience, but also work with organizations to help them create an environment of psychological safety where employees can really be at their best on the day-to-day -day basis um, and, and just feel happy and, and productive at work. Yeah, no, and, and, and you know, I think the pandemic absolutely has shown us the importance of of mental health. And, and I think the key there is that everyone has mental health, right? So I think, and I believe what you're doing is that you're trying to open that up to help people regardless of the problems or the, the, the level of issues that they have. Is that correct? Absolutely. And I love that you that you just said everybody has mental health. This is 100% how, how we're looking at it. Um, and that's why it's 
it's a bit challenging because we we want to frame our work as as mental well and mental health because indeed our, our solutions are for a hundred percent of people communities and, and employees but unfortunately as you well know just the topic of mental health has a stigma associated to it um, and we tend to only see the people who are uh, suffering from mental illness um, but in fact it's really not the case we all have mental health and we all go through the ups and downs of life and sometimes we need more support than others um, and even when we're at our very best we can still uh, benefit from skills um, uh, that help us over time you're absolutely right you know it's trying to address that stigma and, and you know when we talk about mental health of the, the positive case as well you know i remember you know even in writing chief well-being officer and and considering a definition of health which should be much more than just that the absence of sickness right is you know we don't often put the positive case but how can we actually you know have that thriving state or that flourishing state in health and i think mental health particularly is a little bit behind in terms of when we even consider the term right the association of that is that there's something wrong but actually apart from something being wrong how can we make it more right than just okay right and i think there's a real opportunity there in, in what you you guys are doing i think many entrepreneurs are, are driven by a very personal experience right and they have you know they have that that drive it's, it's more than just a problem that they have uh, seen in society but they've had some sort of story there as well can you share anything please on, on your own journey on how you got here absolutely um so my personal experience with mental health starts very early on um i would say at birth my, my mother is a psychiatrist um, so mental health was never a taboo topic um, in my household growing up um, it was actually a very interesting topic to discuss um so it was even more of a surprise to me in 2019 when I personally had a burnout um, and a period of depression after that. Um, and I really didn't see it coming. So I would say that probably qualifies as a double personal experience with, uh, with, with mental health in that uh, context. Um, I, was, uh, I started my, uh, my career in management consulting. Uh, I was uh, pretty much trying to do everything perfect uh, from um, the very early um, career, I, I moved up quite fast, and then all of a sudden it all came to a standstill with this uh, relatively difficult experience. Mm. Um, so I was very lucky to, to be able to take some time off um, and to refocus and to really go to a more positive narrative. Um, I also got a lot of help. Um, I, uh, I was put in touch with the right people and, and with the right resources. So I was able to be back on my feet after eight to nine weeks of, um, uh, of a break. Yeah. And, and after that, I, I really felt uh, personally committed to the topic, but also really interested in, in finding out more and also doing more. Um, so when I came back after my, uh, my leave, I really asked for the opportunity to work on the topic of mental health. Um, and this was the very beginning of, of the pandemic. It was in March 2020 that um, I basically got the opportunity to to build uh, and, and scale a mental health initiative for um, for my company at the time. And uh, at first it started out as a bit of a volunteer led initiative with a lot of goodwill. But all of a sudden, when everybody was uh, now stuck at home um, because of the pandemic, mental health became a huge priority for for the company I was working with. Um, and for a good reason. All of a sudden we had people who were, you know, cooked up in, in a very small house or, or locked at home and trying to manage families 
um, as well as work at the same time, or even people dealing with, with grief uh, from losing a loved one. Um, so the objective was really to set the, um, to put in place early intervention support resources to help people become aware of how they're really doing and also to train, um, I would say at scale, all of the people in our company on, on mental health awareness and also psychological safety. So that was a very interesting journey um, personally because I learned a lot, uh, but then I also realized that there's so much more we um, and that's where the uh, idea of launching a startup in this uh, in this field came and I'm happy to to talk more about that. Yeah. I mean, look, it's interesting, you know, in terms of the, the perfect lens, I mean, you know, no one wishes for what has happened in, in the past 12, 18 months, right? But in terms of the path that you're on, in many ways, you know, having that, let's say, the pilot that you ran within within your previous company, that was, you know, the, the context at the time was ideal for exploring that on a deep level. But then your own personal decision to then leave and start up, you know, interestingly, talking to Yazad, in the previous episode, he also talked about his personal network and several of his friends that had just decided, you know, through the reflections that we've all enjoyed through the past 12 or so months in the pandemic, that they just decided to to pull the trigger and, and they did make the the change and, or make the leap. You know, what what happened with you? Is that something similar? And then you just thought, well, now's the time. Let, let's do this. What, what was the, some of the, the thought processes that went on? Yeah, so that's a, it's a question I've been asking myself a lot. Um, I would say the, the entrepreneurial with me since, uh, since much earlier in my life. Um, I actually started a company before uh, or right out of school uh, with my twin brother um, and then decided to, um, uh, to you know, go for the professional services route, which at the time seemed much more, more secure. And, and I always kind of regretted not pursuing it fully. Um, so it was, it was always there in, in a certain way. Uh, but then... I think I never gave it enough uh, sort of thought. And, and as you said, take the leap, right? I, I was not comfortable with taking that level of risk before. Um, and something happened in, in 2020 with, um, I guess, my, my risk appetite, uh, or, or perhaps I saw this as an opportunity that was too big to just let, uh, let go because the need was so clear that I just decided um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen again to that, to that voice inside me and, and really just take the leap and, and launch something. Um, I would say what there were a couple of moments which uh, really triggered the the decision to 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 just take the leap and launch Key and Health. The first one was connecting with a person I respect a lot, who's now become one of my co-founders, and and really trying to problem solve this topic and to see what we could really do tangibly to to, to impact it. Um, and I think in in that moment of, of connection and problem solving, we were both so energized by the opportunity that lay in front of us. And it was a feeling that I hadn't felt it in a long time. Um, yeah. So that, that that told me, you know, it's, it's the right thing to pursue. Um, and then I think that the second moment was um, purely when connecting with other people who have gone through a similar challenge, who either have suffered from a burnout or are dealing with um, other types of mental health challenges, uh, and, and really seeing the impact that well-executed mental health pro uh, program can have on them. Mm -hmm. And uh, having personally gone through it, I felt there's so much more that needs to be done. And the impact of, of it being done well is so high. Right? And I think I, I kind of had these two moments of, let's say, eureka in my mind. Yeah. And, and then the decision was very simple to make. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. I love that aspect of just being energized and, and just getting the real satisfaction and passion from something. And then, of course, the other part that you just mentioned, and, and that happens a lot, 
with entrepreneurs and especially within the kind of social entrepreneurial spaces, how can you have an impact, right? How can you really improve the lives of other people around the world? So, so that's great. Coming back to a point in your own experience, and then I want to dive into, you know, operationally, what does Kian do and, and how are you going to have that impact? You know, I'm really fascinated with your own experience in, in terms of burnout, right? Because, and, and thanks so much also for, for sharing that and being vulnerable and, uh, and, and sharing that experience. You know, you grew up in an environment where, as you said, it was very much part of the conversation, I would imagine, you know, uh, family meal times, and it was very much kind of present in, in your life. And yet you still said that you never saw it coming, right? And and thankfully, you know, I haven't experienced uh, burnout. Um, I hope I, I, I never do, but I, I have experienced real times of fatigue and tiredness. And I've been aware that, hey, I need to be careful here. This might come. And some of the things that I've read, um, as you said, that, that, that quest for perfectionism that, that sometimes leads to that. But that, that I just find that interesting that you don't see it coming, right? Um, and I think therein is the value of 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 key and health, right? That you're actually going to help some of these people that are completely blindsided until it happens, and and that's something that is maybe not very obvious for people, right? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the biggest barriers to getting help is awareness, because it's it's so difficult to actually face when when things are are starting to go the wrong way because they don't happen overnight. It's very, very, very small changes uh, that over a period of time compound and, and then all of a sudden um, something goes wrong, right? And, and burnout is, is really you know, now used for everything, unfortunately, sometimes too loosely. But, but what it means is, is really three things um, which can happen at once. And the first one is exhaustion. Um, we, we all suffer from um, different periods of tiredness, but this is really deeper than that. It's, it's a feeling of exhaustion, both emotional and physical. Um, the type of sensation where it's difficult to fall asleep but impossible to wake up and it's just constantly feeling like no matter how much you try to sleep you, you can't recover uh, the, the second part of it is um, cynicism which i felt actually for the first time in my life uh, a feeling of lack of motivation uh, but for a topic that i knew i cared about and, and all of a sudden i just couldn't connect with with that feeling of motivation it just was was kind of this blank um, i didn't know why i was doing what i was doing and, and so on and the third one is, is professional efficacy, is a reduction in the confidence level that we have to, to do our job effectively. Um, and actually not just our job, but also in, in other areas of our life. So it, it, it's felt as a loss of confidence. Yeah. Um, and the, the challenge for me was in, in my personal experience, um, I didn't really understand where it came from. Um, and it actually felt for, for the first months after it happened, like it, it really happened overnight and it just blindsided me. But in hindsight, I realized there were some really specific trigger points that, that happened along the way. So, for example, with my last move to Singapore as part of my job, I, um, I really changed my mindset in a way. I, I told myself I have to be perfect. There can, can be no room for error. I need to reestablish myself in, the, in this place. And, and that created a whole you know, context for what was to happen. Then I started to neglect my physical needs. You know, I, st I stopped going to... Uh, exercise as much as I did. Uh, I started skipping meals uh, just because one hour uh, or 30 minutes at lunch was, was enough uh, for me to work a little bit more to, to get in that step ahead. I started sacrificing hours of sleep um, and it all felt like very small decisions that wouldn't have a big impact. But when you take them all together, actually, they have a, a huge impact. 
Yeah. And in our work with, with Kian, what we're trying to do is, is create this level of awareness much earlier so, so that people actually stop and think, well, hey, uh, how is this going to make in the long run? Or is this really the right decision? Uh, unfortunately, we don't really see the cost of or where it can lead until it's, it's often too late. And so what we're developing is um, um, quite some engaging tools to help people really think through what they're doing and, and really feel the impact of, of these small decisions um, and also get support and speak with somebody before they reach, um, I would say, a, a crisis moment. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And thanks for sharing all of that. I'm sure that'll be very useful for anyone who's listening in, whether they're an entrepreneur or just a busy professional, and just to be aware of that. So looking at what Kian offers, um, you know, so you have that kind of, uh, let's say that that coach that's there, and, and those early warning signs I can see are very valuable. Also links back to our previous point that it's not just about um, the damage aspect, but how you can really flourish and, and, and improve your mental health. So what does this look like? Would it be, is it an enterprise solution that a company would um, buy this tech uh, for their workforce and then they would offer this to each of their employees? What, what are some of the, the basics there in terms of the, in terms of the offering? Yeah, exactly. Um, so we work as a, as a B2B solution. Um, the, and we have, I would say, uh, two offerings at the same time. I would also say this is what, what we believe makes us unique is we the organization and the individual at the same time. Um, because we believe this is the only way to really achieve uh, enduring uh, mental well-being for the individual and also performance, sustainable performance for, for the organization. Um, so what does this mean in practice? Um, it means at the individual level, we, we have developed technology. It's a, a web app and, and, different, uh, and different tools that help individuals assess and identify how they're really feeling at, at any given moment. Um, we're starting off with active data tracking using clinically validated surveys, and we're now looking into passive data tracking through different wearables um, to measure ability or other indicators that may show um, when somebody's heading towards a challenging time, even before they know it. And then based on, this, uh, on these assessments and, and the bio-tracking, we, we prepare what we call a care plan. Um, and that's really a uniquely um, set up um, suggestion for, our, for each member, which can either be skill building if the person is doing great and they want to, let's say, improve their resilience, or it can be self-care. Um, if a person is going, let's say, through burnout for the first time or generalized anxiety. Um, and that is content that we have uh, created in partnership with uh, leading psychologists to help people feel better and to build new skills. And the third component to this is um, coaching and uh, psychotherapy. Uh, so we have built our own network of professional coaches and psychotherapists um, who we can put in contact, I would say, in real time with our members so that they can have some support along this journey. Um, now, one important uh, point to note here, we're really focusing on prevention, even though we, we're, still, we're also able to, to support, obviously, an intervention. But our goal is to really catch people early um, and to help them build resilience and, um, and the skills that they need for the crisis moment. Yeah. Um, at the organizational level, what we do is we... We, we take some of these insights that we get from the individual level, and our goal is to really create a fact base for decision making at senior um, HR uh, levels to 
understand what are the decisions that need to be made to create psychologically safe workplaces. Um, things like designing um, workplaces to minimize harm or understanding if there's any reward imbalance or managing workload in a specific uh, department or setting in a way that people can um, can be can be uh, productive for the long term and not just for for a specific project. Mm -hmm. And I think what makes us unique there is that we're really trying to put facts on a topic that's been considered to be a very soft topic. Yeah. So when we tell a, a story to a CEO or, or a CHRO, it's less about it's the right thing to do, because I would say by now most people believe that, it, but it's what is the cost of not doing it? And what is the business impact of, of taking those decisions in, in the right way and at the right time? Yeah, no, I love that. I love that multi-pronged approach. I mean, you've got that human um, aspect as well, right? The kind of network of, of the therapists and, and coaches. And, and I think we're seeing that in general in terms of disruption within healthcare. And I think the pandemic has accelerated that, of course. So it's been one of those things that was kind of one of the laggards, right, in terms of digital transformation. So I think that's very much in line there. And then, and then just that that kind of business case that you're putting. I mean, the tagline on this platform of Chief Wellbeing Officer and, and the whole rationale behind the book was about elevating well-being as a strategic concern because it was a very soft thing, right? And it's not enough just to say, "Hey, this is the right thing to do," but we need more of that data. We need more, and it shouldn't just be that, of course, right? But you know, it's very valuable, and it's going to allow us to really sustain and scale this more positive approach to work where well-being is a part of, of our working life. So that sounds fantastic. On, on the individual level, and, um, and I'm just interested in kind of how that looks. I mean, do you get recommendations or nudges which are delivered at the right time in terms of the reports for improving skills in this area? Maybe this could be part of the kind of managerial review that you have with employees. Some of the things, would this be in the mix? Absolutely. And I think we're testing so many things right now. Um, and we really we're just very excited about about the different reactions that, that we're getting. Um, at an individual level, part of it is it really works with nudges, exactly as you we're trying to identify the best moment in the day to serve specific nudges so that people have a moment of reflection, let's say, or think about in the morning, for example, where before we wake up, when we wake up, before we let's say, grab our phones to check emails and so on. That's a great moment to actually take, you know, 30 seconds and, and think about how am I really feeling this morning, right? So we're trying to, to identify these best moments to get people um, to, to take a step back. But then there's moments of increased stress or, or really heightened anxiety throughout the day, let's say right before a big meeting and so on. So we're trying to identify those moments as well and, and equip people with the tools to, let's say, relax or calm down or build confidence right before a big moment in, in their lives. Yeah. And I would say we're, we're on, on the organizational level, we're working with HR managers to identify what are the right tools or, or, or skills that people need before, let's say, an annual performance review, right? And how can we best integrate those uh, in those discussions? Uh, we're also looking a lot at debiasing those discussions because it's, it's really very important, especially when it comes to, to mental health. Um, so we're, we're testing different things at the same time. Not all of them work because it's, a, uh, it's actually notoriously difficult to, to find the right message at the right time. Um, but uh, it, it's a very exciting journey to see what does work. Exactly right. It's, it's part of that journey and it's part of that, um, that experimentation and, and, and seeing what works. Looking at and what you can share, and and you know, I recognise that you've just kind of essentially come out of stealth, and and Kian is is basically just very newly on on the scene 
in the kind of public domain. But where are you right now? If, if, do you have an MVP in place? Are you um, already piloting with, within certain uh, clients? Um, what, what's the plan ahead during the, the course of the rest of this year? And again, just whatever you can share, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, and we're, we're comfortable sharing quite uh, now. We have some exciting news um, that will, will officially come out next week, but I think I can give you already a sneak peek. Um, so we've successfully closed our, our first um, funding round led by a, a top tier Swiss uh, venture capitals fund, uh, which gives us a runway and a lot of confidence that, that we can deliver on our ambition. Um, we are now building the, the MVP, uh, both for the organization and the individual, and we'll start piloting with um, corporate clients in Switzerland at first as of this year. And our, our vision is really much broader than just Switzerland. We're looking at it as our I would say incubator um, to test different uh, services in different languages uh, because Switzerland has three uh, national, I would say four national languages. So it's a, it's a very good test bed for Europe as a whole. Um, and um, and yeah, we're, we're, we're starting out with a focus on, on burnout. Uh, since we're, we're really looking at mental health end to end, uh, so psychoeducation, awareness, prevention, early intervention, treatment, and even professional reinsertion, uh, which is a very broad scope we have to start focused at least on, on some of the conditions that that we're um, that we're focusing on and yeah. since burnout is is really one of the i would say main challenges uh in, in the corporate setting in the wake of the pandemic we, we started with that so as of july we'll be piloting our, our burnout journey uh, with, with with companies in switzerland uh, but we will already be able to serve companies outside of Switzerland with everything except psychotherapy, uh, which is uh, very specific to, uh, um, to each location because of reimbursement and, and insurance uh, setup. Uh, yeah. But our coaching services, uh, our application will be available uh, across Europe as of July. No, fantastic. I mean, hearty congratulations for, for, the, for the funding. And, and that must be just so exciting just to, to have that path ahead. That, that side of things just settled so that you can get down to just creating and, and, and making things happen. Um, you know, Friday, today's Friday the 14th of May, um, but, but when this goes out, it will probably be early June just because of other interviews that we have in the pipeline. So I think it might be nice timing for you, right? So you'll just have had all of that confirmed a couple of weeks and, and maybe you're into the real build phase when, when, when people are able to listen to this interview. But again, many, many congratulations. Looking and, and bringing it back a little bit to your own journey and also the first episode in this theme of starting up, which was with Malta Cron, and looking at this aspect of being a more mindful entrepreneur, right? So a lot of the, the pressures that you had as a management consultant and that striving for perfectionism uh, and, and sacrificing different parts of your life that you know are important, but it just it's easy for all of us to forget about these things, right? Skip meals, uh, you know, cut down on exercise, all these different things. It could be it could be said that the same dangers are there if you get so passionate and so involved within this entrepreneurial journey, right? So, how have you been in terms of your own well-being and health and habits, let's say, in the initial months of starting up, and? Do you have any plans in place when things are going to get really, really hot over the next several months? What, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's a very interesting question because it, it, it would be quite a bit of a, uh, I would say, 
paradox uh, type story if uh, you know we, we burn ourselves out while launching a mental health company <laughs> yeah um, so um i would say f for because of the journey that that led me here and also uh, my, my co-founders are also um i would say also have some personal stories with, with mental health uh, either through their own experience or their spouse, we sat down very early on and, and we wrote down what are our values as a company and how do we want to work? Uh, not just for the co-founding team, but also things that will go throughout the, the fiber of the company you know, as we keep hiring and as we keep building our teams. Um, and, and our first value is mental health comes first. And obviously for our clients, because this is what we're, we're building, but also for ourselves as a team. Um, so we've, we've, um, I would say processes for everybody in the company being able to say, hey, look, I need now some, some time to look after my mental health or, or for myself. So we're trying to really incorporate this as part of the entrepreneurial process. Um, and it's, I won't lie, it's not easy. It's actually very difficult because it is, it is a very competitive time where there could always be more hours in the day to do more things. And there's this constant feeling of, well, if I'm not doing you know, something, then you know our competitors probably are doing it or this kind of, you know this constant feeling that you can do more uh, but we're we're really balancing it out with our own well-being yeah and uh to, to give just just a few examples right i think um the fact that we're working remotely as, as a company gives us a lot of flexibility um so i i mentioned i'm in athens i would you know go and take one hour at lunch to just go for a swim and completely disconnect from work and then i come back and i feel re-energized right so we're trying to build in these moments of recovery and uh, finding energy throughout the day uh, to really be able to go for the long run because we don't see this as a one or two year project it's really um, something with a long-term vision and if we want to deliver on that vision we have to be there for it um, so we're trying to make it sustainable yeah no that sustainability is key I, I i love the fact that you sat down you defined those values and it's about building that internal culture right you have to walk the talk you have to be credible internally and, and i think that is so important you know, I've had a similar experience over the years, right? You know, I've been working in this area for a long time, but I was very conscious early on that I couldn't be teaching a class of executives uh, on sleep, for example, if I looked visibly sleep deprived, right? So there was always that that check that I had for myself and to keep up with my own exercise and, and things like that, because that was part of the product, let's say. I was part of that product. So I was always very aware of that. Um but I yeah, can just I see. see I, I, I wanted to compliment you on on the the, the push up challenge. Uh, I saw that you managed to finalize it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was very inspiring. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fun. Yeah, so anyone that doesn't know this, I put it on LinkedIn just in early May um, on on the value of the streak. So I'm at like over thirty six thousand push ups now in the last two years because it's been every day for two years. And if anyone's interested in that, they can connect with me on LinkedIn and, and have a look. The interesting thing on that actually, Vlad, is that talking to Malta. He, um, he has a daily handstand um, uh, challenge. So every day, and he's missed a couple over the course of the last year, but it's really interesting. And he's got a, an Instagram account and it's a moment for him to be mindful. So he has a background in martial arts and, uh, and yoga. And he does this daily uh, handstand, which is, which is interesting. I was talking to him a lot about that. But yeah, the power of the streak, looking at habit formation, all of these things are, are interesting. But no, thanks for that. But getting to the complexity of entrepreneurship, I can see it, it, it won't be easy. But just the fact, again, the product that you're selling is, is also you as, as a team, right? It's the leaders within the organization. It's, and as you scale and bring other people in, I'm sure that'll be a big part of 
of that recruitment, right? We're not just recruiting now for skills, but we're recruiting for attitude. And, and can people feel comfortable by taking a one hour, uh, you know, a good lunch break during the day, going for a swim, re-energise, come back, and it's about quality rather than quantity. You know, I think we could have a whole episode on this, but I think, you know, the flexibility thing that you mentioned is also key. The, the push, and I talked about this actually in a talk a few, a few years ago called The Hateful Eight, that there's always this push to fit all of our work within the, the traditional work block, right? So nine to five or or often nine to eight or nine to nine or, or, or more for other people, especially in, you know, sectors that you worked in, in yourself. And then after work is the time that you've got to do non-work, but then work still comes in. There's always this reluctance for people to be doing other things in that main block. But what I've always found over the years and having a lot of flexibility is that you can go for a run at 10 a.m., you can go for a two-hour lunch, and you look at your whole day, and of course you've got family commitments, but if you're able to do, do a really high-quality hour of work, like 6 a.m., and your family's still sleeping or 7pm and you're still energised because you've been re-energising and recovering all the way through the day, then you're coming in and out, right? And, and I've always felt that, it's not going to be for everyone, depending on commitments, but I've always felt that that, that flexibility side is really uh, conducive to, to, to getting a good balance, but still doing good hard work, right? Absolutely. And, you know, for me, this, this echoes my way of thinking perfectly, because I always felt like this 8 to 5 p.m. is just so arbitrary, right? And yeah. um, it's sort of taking it as a default is not necessarily conducive to your own personal well-being. It actually turns out, you know, I'm, uh, I, I focus really well early in the morning. Yeah. And, and so sometimes I need to really wake up earlier if I have a tough problem to solve to just get that thinking time uh, in and, and, and sort of crack it. Um, then I actually need a break in the middle of the day. Uh, because I feel I'm, you know, just really exhausted by, let's say, lunchtime, and uh, and I need to to take some time to recover and then, you know, get started again. Uh, but I think by not necessarily accepting the default as the only way of working, um, we, we can actually get much more done while still leaving a life that's uh, more, let's say, productive and feels like our own. Um, and where I'm really hopeful is that technology is really changing this default. It's really giving us the opportunity to work in a flexible way. Um, that works for us and not just works, you know, as a, a default. Um, uh, and we don't just accept it as the only way of, uh, of working. Yeah, no, I, and I think you're right. We're going to see a lot of changes um, over the next few years, partly because of the pandemic, but I think also with technology. And I think, you know, companies like Kian have, have such a, an important role to play within that. So thanks for your, your insights and your time. This has been, been fantastic. Um, one final question, maybe, and in terms of um, you know the vision, what what is the vision for for Kian this time next year, uh, this time in five years' time? What do you think? Is there anything you can share with us here? Yeah, absolutely, Stephen. And I would even start with our long term vision, um, which is twenty years from now. Let's say we, what we really hope is we can play a major part in making mental well being a part of everyday life, the, the same way. We look after our physical health and physical fitness today. I hope we can talk about overall health and overall fitness and well-being, which includes mental health in 20 years time. And our, really our, our long-term goal is to be a major actor in making that happen. Now, what do, we, what do we mean by that? In the next five years, we hope to change the conversation in large organizations as to what are the necessary building blocks for effective performance. And we hope to make mental health and mental well-being a key part of that. 
next year at this time, I hope we have some really nice data to, to discuss and to say, look, it actually works. Uh, here are all the tests and the pilots that we've done. And, and here's how we can scale it even, even further um, to, take the, to make this effectively happen at a the, at the global scale. Great. Well, it'll be great to get you back on and, and talk about some of those things that, that you've found. But thanks again for your time and your reflections. Wishing you the very best of luck with Kian Health and see you soon. Vlad, thank you. Thank you so much, Stephen. It was a pleasure to be with you today.